This is the Police and Fire Retirement Board meeting. I'll call its order and I'll begin with roll call. Uh, from those that are here, Dave Wilson. Here. Andrew. Here. Beth. Here. Uh, Sunita. Here. David. Here. And Eswar. Here. And I, Frank Roboto, the chair, am here. Our first order of business is there is one item, it might actually be two items today for Sunshine. I'm, I'm sorry, Maytag, we had a conversation about it. Isn't there two now? Or is there still one? Uh, as far as I know, there's only one. Okay, we got one item to waive on Sunshine, which is the proposed red line changes on the JPC. So that would be item um, 7.5C. Yes. Motion approved. Second. I, I got a motion from Andrew. I got a second from Dick. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstentions. Okay. And then our next item is a closed session. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that on here? Yes. Uh, it's on. I got different ones. Yes. We have a ceremonial item. I would like to ask <laughs> Mr. Lanza to come up. Yeah, you can bring your donuts. You can even eat them while I'm talking because this might take a minute. Before I get to reading this plaque, we are gonna honor Drew in his time and amazing work on this board. Um, I've arguably I could say that prior to this his entrance to this board this board couldn't function but I won't say that just because I don't want to offend anyone <laughs> but he was one of these spearheads along with Vince that really took this to a next level this board has changed Dick knows this this board has changed it didn't always have the makeup it has right now when it became this bigger public style makeup um, I think it really advanced the board, and I will say you were one of the pioneers in that. So we have a plaque here for you that is written in very small letters. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize some of this. Um, Drew was appointed to the Board of Administration of the City of San Jose Police and Fire Department on May 2011 as a public member. And whereas an appreciation of Drew's 12 years and six months of service, Drew was the vice chair uh, of the board in 2020, chairman of the board from 2015 and 2016, and then from 21 to 20, November of 23. Um, he's, Drew has served as the chairman of the Joint Personnel Committee and the Audit Committee and the Disability Committee, which uh, again, Thank you very, very much, because this is true to us for police and fire. Listening to and hearing these difficult situations on the disability committee is not an easy task, and as I'm sure Dick will say, the stack of paper that you have to read is tremendous. So that is a big thank you in itself. Um, ad hoc uh, committees, Measure G implementation, um, audit responses, investment committee, three years helping guide the strategies, 
uh, governance, <laughs> fiscal soundness, the system, I, I mean, really? <laughs> Did you do anything else? I was bored. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Drew's offered stability and a progressive view during a period of um, composition change for the board, administration, staff, and offered his leadership and guidance on numerous issues throughout the tenure, including but not limited to Measure G and the approval of the pension pay correction plan. Um, now, now, therefore, be it resolved by the Board of Administration, Police and Fire Retirement Plan in the City of San Jose that the administration extends a thank you to Drew Lanza for his dedicated years of service to the Police and Fire retirement plan and for the adherence to the high standards and quality ethics and integrity for the board and the performance in this valued service presented on you this day by this board well you know me i have to say a few words so let me hand you this off. okay hang on hang where's the photograph Kidding, this is like Helvetica 9. Um, the day I joined this board, and the reason I joined this board, I said, I'm pretty good with high function teams. Well, I'm, I've been doing it all my life, and I'm happy and wealthy and everything else. So I, I am pretty good. I'm a published author on that. So this is not me. This is all of you and all of those predecessors. I mean, Andrew, you've been on this board a long time. Dick, you've been on it as long as I have. We have never had a board that was not a high-function team. Some of them certainly more functioning. I think it's going to be the highest-function team we've had to date. So don't lose that. Right, guys? You are high-function, which means you're better than 90% of other teams. Hold that thought. I miss you guys, and I, I wish I was still here. I... Every first Thursday of the month, I had a cold the last time, but I think of this, right? It's still on my calendar. I guess I should remove it, but Dick in particular, I want to thank you. Dick took me under his wing, and half of what I know about this board I learned from you. So, Santos, thank you for taking the young buck under, well, you know, Dick, we're both senior citizens, but you know what I mean, right? I wasn't at the time. Thank you. Good? Back to you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. I want to open it up to members of the board who might have something they would like to say. Dick, please, start well, us off. Thank you. As the longest serving board member, when I was active, I was 12 years as the vice chair of the police and fire board. It was an honor <coughs> at the time. And then I basically retired, and then I was asked to come back, and I served another whatever, 14 years. So I've been around about 25 years on this board. And when you say that one person can't make a difference, it is, not, it is true. Because when I got here, uh, this uh, process was in disarray. And uh, we had a CEO who was in disarray. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, we got a new guy coming on, a guy named Drew Lanza. I said, oh, all right. So we met about four or five months later. And uh, he sure made the difference on the committees. And we had members here that weren't very supportive of the police and fire, whether it be jealousies or whatever have you. It was really bothering me, and especially the uh, 
disability committees. And nothing has really changed. They keep on saying, we'll do this, we'll do that. It'll change the numbers. It doesn't change the working conditions. People who put their lives on the line are going to get injured. You know, no disrespect, we're not librarians. We are firefighters and police officers, and we take care of folks. We're going in and y'all are coming out. That's, the, that's what it's all about. So anyway, Drew took that disability committee and uh, worked with the city council, worked with everybody here, and gave it the, uh, the honor that it deserves, and it made it smooth. All the other committees, and especially investments, then there was other folks, but it was his leadership that made the difference. Um, I won't miss his long-winded speeches, <laughs> but I'll miss the man, the person that I got a chance to know. And as I always said, if I was into a building as a firefighter again, there was one guy I would be with and know we could get out alive together would be Drew Laza. So thank you for your service. Best to your family. I appreciate the friendship we had and uh, hope somehow we can stay in touch. Wow. Thank you, Dick, and thank you, Dick, and Franco and Andrew and Dave for your service. As I joked, Dick, Dick said that sentiment, if I was in for any building, you know, I can't even read it, I'd rather be in. And I said, well, that's good, Dick, because you, you weigh probably less than 200 pounds, so I probably could haul you out of the <laughs> building. But if you didn't haul me out, that's okay, because I'm a pretty big guy. Uh, anyone else? <clears throat> I'll try not to uh, <coughs> I agree with what everybody's been saying, I'll try not to repeat, um, but... I can't thank you enough for what you've done. Um, when you came on the board back in 2011, 2012, it was tough circumstances at the time. Um, you weathered through it. You provide very strong leadership to get to us, get to it where we are now. And if you, as Franco was reading off of all the things that you've done, it made me realize you sat on every single committee. <coughs> you've been pretty much chair on every single committee. Except for, except for investment, I have been, yeah. Uh, but you, you're actively involved with those, and you've always provided strong leadership. Over the years, we've had some uh, difficult discussions, you know, um, that we had when dealing with memberships, and you, you navigate that, um, all the trustees and the board through that. And I can't thank you enough as a trustee and as a plan member, um, and we're at a better place for what you have done. Thank you. Well, let me say, Andrew, it's been fun sort of, Sharing, uh, sharing the chairman vice chair role as we did. You're a good guy, and I hope you stick around. Anyone else? Ooh, this one. Um, so, I mean, meetings are always interesting with you. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so that's that's great. Uh, I think uh, you know when I see when I I've go to some of these conferences and I look at some other boards, you know, board members. I think our board is, I think, forward thinking, and I think you play a big role in that, have played a big role in that. Um, and besides that, I've been here about five years, and I think you've been very supportive when you were chair of the committees that I've chaired, the Investment Committee and JPC, um, and I really appreciate that. Um, so thank you. I hope you stick around. You're a good guy, too. Actually, you're all good guys and gals, but we need the strength of people like Andrew and you, and you too, Samantha. Um, you know, as I was driving here and thinking about our commendation for Drew, thinking what are the words that come to mind when I think of Drew's leadership? And, um, you know, I, he, he, was, he, was, he wasn't chair when I joined, but very shortly thereafter, which was 2020. Uh, I would say your bold and candid leadership, is, <laughs> there's a lot to learn from that. I think it's, it's hard to find people who are, um, you know, willing to do that. And I really appreciate that uh, experience to have worked with you. 
I certainly appreciate how you have used both your academic and your business acumen uh, in uh, in guiding many conversations. Of course, I, I, I hear what Dick is saying about your long your long speeches, but you know there was always something valuable embedded in those. Uh, and I think you were very um, you always listened and heard different points of views for for your tireless objective of making the system improve. Um, I certainly appreciate you for that. I do hold you uh, for your various IOUs uh, <laughs> for your for buying beer, except I'll exchange it for wine. Anything you want, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> and I hope you keep up the IOU. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a running count of about 42. <laughs> oh, uh, anytime. You, you, well, so when I say I'll buy the next beer, that doesn't mean I'll invite you to buy it. It means you invite me in my payment. So, you know, it, when I first joined um, a charitable board. I helped raise money for the Stanford Museum after it was horribly <laughs> destroyed, partially destroyed in the 89 earthquake. And when I joined, I, had, I'm, I think I'm, a, I hope I'm accomplished, and if so, it's because I've had good teachers. I've been very lucky all my life. And I had a now deceased person who was chairman of the board of trustees Stanford one time tell it true. It's not complicated, it's wit, wisdom, and wealth. So for this crew people, it's wit, wisdom, and time. So Sunita, you're funny, you're smart as a whip, and you're putting in time. So thank you. You're the perfect board member. Thank you. So uh, I'll just say one thing. Uh, so much has been said. No other trustee has understood the value of the investment team as you have. So thank you. Literally. He's talking about billions, folks. <laughs> That was quick, uh, <laughs> Mr. Prabhu. Um, just a couple of words from um, the staff at the office. Obviously, you all trustees have worked with uh, uh, Drew for many years. Um, and I have had the experience of working for different boards here in the state of California. And I can tell you that to me, as a CEO, uh, when I look for a trustee, um, half the battle is really being engaged and committed. You'll be surprised. There is a whole range of commitments and engagements in boards across the state. And so I do on behalf of uh, the plan members and on behalf of the staff of the Office of Retirement Services, want to thank you for your engagement, hard work, dedication, and commitment to the police and fire plan for the last 11 or 12 years. And, and also uh, thank you for um, always being there and being um, an, a huge supporter of the staff of the Office of Retirement Services. We, we appreciate it and uh, we wish you uh, uh, health and uh, good luck and, and a long, long life ahead of you. So thank you. And and you did mention um, you have these meetings on your calendar. Just a remind you a reminder that they are hybrid. So you're certainly welcome to join <laughs> remotely and you know raise your hand if you have a comment. You know, but I they're limited to three minutes, by the way. You know, yeah, I was saying I was somewhat torn. I they're tedious, but I don't think I'm gone, so they're not quite so tedious. <laughs> so Roberto is very special. I hope we all appreciate this. He's kind of reached the end of his road, as I did when I hit the age he's at now. So I counted the other day. I've been on over 50 boards. 
Roberto, I've now dealt with over 100 CEOs, and three of those times, I was the CEO I dealt with. Roberto, you are clearly in the top 10% of that 100. And more importantly, Roberto, I've now looked at the performance of maybe 20 or 30 small teams, startups. Your team is not much bigger than the people started during COVID. I mean, you and Barbara and Linda knocked that bitch out of the park, right? We stayed coherent enough for Prabhu to pull a little stunt in April, May of that year. And that was no mean feat. Remember, we're all slightly panicked. And remember, do you remember we were on one of the calls and somebody's wearing a mask? And we're like, dude, you're on Zoom. You're in your office. Take your mask off. So, Roberto, you, I've told you while you were employed by this board how special you were. I don't have any axe to grind, right? I'll see you in Orlando when I come out this spring. I'd like to buy you a rum. I say beer. <laughs> he point, every time I say I'll buy you beer, I have it. He goes, I don't drink beer. Right? Um, I want to say one last thing, unless there's anyone else that wants to speak up. Go ahead, if I, please. If I could say something. Drew, I, I've known you for years as a venture investor. And uh, I have to say, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you in a, in a more full dimension as, a, as someone that serves the public. And I think your thoughtfulness and your ability to roll up your sleeves, I think, is, uh, I think it's unique in some ways. And, uh, and uh, I've learned a lot. And uh, I'd like to think of you in many ways as the role model of what it takes to have the commitment and the and the energy and the interest uh, to serve, and so thank you. We, we did a good job of the VC strategy. We're right. We're probably the number one VC pension fund now in the world. Well, in terms of strategy, I mean, not in terms of size. Just real quick, yep. uh, just I want to say on behalf of all the active and retired police and firefighters, uh, as part of this plan, and myself being a plan member as well. Um, Thank you for always putting us first in every decision that you made as a leader on this board. Truly appreciated. Uh, thanks. You know, when, when Dick was first teaching me, we'd go out and have lunch with firefighters. He said, you've got a good group of friends, Dick. I'm sure you do too, Dick. And you know, police and fire at San Jose are good folks. Thank you for introducing me to them. And nice meeting you. And thank you for your service. Just a follow-up on... Dave, this side of the room is obviously heavily weighted. People have got a vested interest in this plan, not only for our friends, in some cases our family, and ourselves. Those of you that are public members who take the time, make the effort to help us ensure that we're doing right by our people, thank you. And for you, Drew, specifically, as successful as you've been in your life and as much as you are spread all over to take uh, 12 years, 13 years, and put it into this plan, that is extraordinary. So thank you. So uh, I will leave you with these thoughts and I address this to um, our civilian members. And these. Look, I'm Italian, he's Italian. Like, I grew up Roman Catholic, but I'm not a deep religious person, nor were my parents, but they believed heavily in the philosophy of the Bible. So here's a quote from the Bible that I think answers what you just said. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. 
And from the ones who've been entrusted with much, even more will be asked. That's uh, Luke 12:35. Right? So, as soon as you got kids and a nice husband, good. Give back. So, thank you. It's been an honor to serve. And, and if uh, they ever decide to change your mind, you can have me back. You just got to change the rules about my age. <laughs> thank you, Frank. Over to you. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, take a quick two to three minute break so people can say goodbye to Drew before we go into closed session. Recording stopped. <laughs> Not a pee break, a bite. A bite break. Uh, yeah, donut break.
Okay, does anyone have anything to pull from the consent calendar? There was nothing to report from closed session. Sorry, our mics weren't working. If there's nothing to pull, then a motion uh, before, to Before we go on past the closed session item, uh, we've just recused ourselves from that closed session item. Yes, thank you. Uh, motion to approve on the consent calendar. Moved by Dick, second. Second. Second by um, Dave Wilson. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Uh, we have a long consent calendar. Where are we at here? Uh, Two, investments. Prabhu. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So uh, we have no agenda items uh, this month, but if you missed last month's board meeting. Thank you that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, I can keep that for all months of the year. Uh, <laughs> But if you missed last month's board meeting, please uh, take the time if you have uh, to listen to Professor Myron Scholz was here in person and gave a fantastic presentation uh, on risk uh, for pension plans and risk management. Um, and also, if you have the time, um, the CIO of Morgan Stanley presented to the Federated Board, which was also an excellent presentation. And so you can also listen to that, where he gave his uh, outlook for the next 12 to 18 months. Do you have uh, handouts? Well, we, I do have a soft copy of the presentation which I can forward, yes. And also, the recordings are available for the actual. Okay. Uh, so this is from Laura, estimates as of Ju January 30th, fiscal year to date, uh, PNF pension is 4.4% and healthcare was 4.12%. And as Bill said, we can just if we can just double this in the next six months, we'll be in good shape. Um, but anything can happen between now and June. So anyway, these are again estimates, unaudited, approximate numbers for what it's worth. Um, does not include yesterday's sell-off, um, but it's still about four percent. With that, I'm happy to take any questions. Any questions for RCIO? Hearing none, we'll move on. Old business <coughs> discussion in action of standing committee assignments. So obviously we're, we're, we're kind of treading water on this a little bit with um, Drew leaving as a trustee. I don't want to dig into the weeds right now. We've already made some, in theory, reassignments. Um, Dave has moved to the disability committee, obviously with Drew leaving and me being the chair, I am on JPC. I know Sunita is going to step down as the chair and take a lighter role. I am just going to suggest that we approve those for now until we get a new trustee and we can reorg all the committee assignments. So that would be my recommendation. I will defer to Roberto and Maytac as to whether I can do that or not. If you can, motion to approve. Well, before we do that, I just want to uh, double check the audit committee. So I know with the backup materials posted, we have uh, Trustee Ganapati still listed as the chair. If she rotates out, we will need to reappoint someone to the audit committee that we and, and a chair for the audit committee. Yes, and I, I apologize. I, I know that conversation has been had. I don't remember who. Yeah, I think uh, Howard is going to step yes. in as chair after the February 15th meeting. Yes. After the February, okay. Yeah, February 15th, I will continue to be chair, and then from going forward, Howard. 
Are you staying on the committee? Or yeah. Coming so, okay. So it's just oh, the chair okay. that's switching. That's right. Committee. Okay. We had it. <laughs> so if everyone's good with that, uh, we have a motion from Dick. I have a second. I'll second. Second, Dave Wilson. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, moving forward. I think we're to new business. All right, <coughs> that's where we're at. Yes, new business. Oral update. Oral update from the CEO. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, if you bear with me, just have a couple of announcements. Um, the retirees 1099-Rs, which are the uh, tax document that we have to mail out to all the retiree benefit payments for the uh, compensation they receive in the 2023 have been mailed out. Also, the guaranteed purchasing power uh, calculation for the 2023 will be paid to those that qualify this coming month in February. Um, those are members that are retired uh, and since the retirement date, um, they have lost more than 25% of the purchasing power. So the goal of this benefit is to bring it up back to a 75% purchasing power from the day they retire. Um, in addition to that, oh, this, there are going to be a lot of uh, happy police and fire retirees uh, in February. We also make the cost of living adjustment payment, so that's going to also happen this month. Um, also, eligible uh, police and fire retirees will receive the annual Medicare B reimbursement letter. Uh, the information that we're going to be requesting uh, it will be due back at the office on April 1st, so be on the lookout for that, um, that mailing. Um, also wanted to let you know the city information and system security policy 1.7.6 uh, recently adopted by both boards, uh, was revised on December 5th, 2023 to add a requirement that departments with a dedicated IT team, which we have, uh, such as IRS, designate a cybersecurity to ensure compliance with um, city standards. We have designated as our cybersecurity person, Shilpi Duevdi. Shilpi will be our, uh, our cybersecurity manager uh, uh, in dealing on these issues with the city. Um, there was, as the chair, you mentioned the, the vacant position. Um, right now, the process is ongoing to the city clerk. Uh, we are accepting applications. Uh, two of them have been received already. The process is scheduled to end early in March. So I would think the sooner you can get a member here, is for your April meeting, but in all honesty, uh, I think it's going to be uh, probably May before you get someone on board. Uh, we will keep you posted. I will have more information uh, of your um, meeting in the next month. I also wanted to update you on a couple of uh, staffing issues at the office. Um, I learned from Barbara yesterday that I don't know if this ever happened before in my tenure of 11 years at the office, but we are actually fully staffed, but that's only for one bi-weekly because we're losing someone at the end of the bi-weekly, but nevertheless, we did reach uh, fully staffed at this point. 
the disability analyst position has been filled by Veronica Solorio, uh, and she uh, will start on February 5th. Uh, Melissa Lopez joined ORS on January 22nd as a pension analyst. She transferred to us from the city clerk's office. Um, and hand then, which is the reason why we're no longer going to be fully staffed, who is a senior benefit analyst, will be leaving our office at the end of this week. Um, it will be the third member of our office that is um, agreeing to a position outside the office with the water district. So we're going to have to do something trying to match if only the we pay. Need somebody with a connect on the water district. Yes, know, maybe, we may need someone like that. We might have to remove a trustee yes. if he keeps <laughs> taking our people. Um, so a couple of more things. <laughs> Dick, I didn't do that on purpose. I just, I just remember now that you are in the board. And by the way, they're happy. <laughs> uh, the ORS offices will be closed on Friday, February 9th, uh, in celebration of the Lunar New Year, and also on Monday, February 19th, on President's Day. And the January edition of the quarterly newsletter have been mailed. Uh, that actually concludes uh, my comments, Mr. Chair. I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah, got a question to the chair. Uh, when I was on the governor's committee meeting with uh, Chair Franco and everyone else, uh, and David, Ray Storms called me from the Retiree Association and said that some members have been contacted about that they want to change their service retirements to disabilities. Can you clarify that? Is that a fact? Because yeah. I was taken back because, yes. well, I'll wait to hear the answer first. Okay. So um, that's an issue that I, I, we will bring to you both at a later date. But in a nutshell, what it is is we have um, a, a handful of members, so at least a couple, that actually service retire uh, some years back, let's say it's 18 years ago. Uh, their disability uh, application was still ongoing. Uh, the committee and the board actually um, found them to be disabled and approved their application, changing them from service retirement to service connection. Um, when that took place, uh, they, they were impacted because when they retired back so many years ago, they actually received a check from the employer on their unused, unused uh, sick leave and through MOU requirements, um, if there is a change from the service retirement to, to disability, Barbara, if I misspeak about this, please correct me. You're not. Um, they, You're right. they need to pay back the amount that they receive for the new sick leave. Um, in fact, um, and, and I understand it's a very you know, challenging situation, uh, when, when um, I know, I'm aware, at least one of those members that retire, when they retired, they did check off the box uh, on the retirement process where they were actually advised about that situation, but obviously being so many years ago, they forgot. So now there's a amount due to the employer that is uh, quite sizable, and they're not happy about it, and they would like to, um, well, I don't want to speak about what they would like to do, but they, they, I think they would like to change either the decision, they, they don't want to have to pay back the amount. So we're working through it, we're working uh, with council, and uh, as soon as we have a resolution or some more detailed information, we'll make a point to bring it to you board for discussion. My, my point would be, and again, I'm not saying this to be negative in any kind of way, why wouldn't the POA Local 230 and the retirees be notified uh, to 
this might be a possible discussion and give them the best advice for making a phone call to me now, just not just me, all of us, puts us in a heart. And we just got through going through all this retirement tax issues. It starts a lot of unfunded rumors. And as soon as Ray called, I said, stop. Let me finish this meeting and listen and uh, try to give the best advice I can. But it's hard to give advice when you're not notified. And I, so I really would think I, that uh, that would be the best procedure to at least give the POA, Local 230, and the Retiree Association that this is a possibility or whatever have you. Because if you know firefighters and police officers, <laughs> the way they went, and it's not good because it causes a lot of tension, a lot of frustration. So I'm not scolding you. I'm just saying to you, try my position or anybody else's position, especially the retiree, you know, guys that live in Virginia or whatever have you, and uh, they um, cast off rumors more than they know. So that's my input. Put and we, we need to do a, a lot better communication than that. Dick, I, I, I am aware of it. I will let Dave speak to I us because the, PO, the POA is aware of it. We've had these conversations, so please, Dave. Yeah, so the Retirees Association actually meets at our hall. Um, so whenever they had their board meeting, they brought it to me because I was at, in the office at that time. Um, of course, they brought the two uh, retired police officers to my attention. Uh, didn't mention anything about firefighters, but um, the result was the same. Um, and I gave them the advice uh, then on what they can do and how they should proceed and stuff like that. But um, we, I talked to them at the very beginning from almost the time, well, from the time the board found out, the retirees board. Um, I think it took a little while for the actual member to reach out to the retirees association, which was another issue. Um, but as far as the POA was concerned, everything's being handled the way it should be handled at this point, and it's decisions on the individual retirees uh, that they need to make um, for their own personal life, is the way I would put it. Um, I've talked to one out of the two retired uh, police officers personally and gave the best advice that we have uh, over there without getting into detail. Well, that's not what uh, Ray Storms is saying. He's saying his board and himself did not aware of that issue it wasn't brought to their attention. It was not brought to their attention by the retirement uh, system. It was brought to their attention by the retirees. Um, and I'll speak on a personal level to that. I think that's fine because I think it should go to the retiree personally and the retiree will make the decision on whether they wanna notify a retirees association that they may or may not belong to. So I would look at it that, that, that way. I look at it and as if a that retiree wants to reach out for help and advice, then it's up to them. We to need to communicate with I, everybody. I also want to address it in the sense when I was CFO of the Police Officers Association, this contract dispute came up related to a disability retirement and a sick time buyout. Mm -hmm. We actually took it to arbitration um, and lost. So it's something that's been our contract. It's between the city and the individual. It really has nothing to do with this entity. Um, they're not the one asking for the money. The sick leave buyout comes from the city to the officer. When the officer changes status to a disability retirement and he owes money back, that's going back to the city. So it really has no effect to retirement services. It has nothing to do with their pension or their pension checks. It's simply an agreement between the local or the POA and the city. And it's in their MOAs. If I may just make one additional 
terms, um, the MOAs in, in particular, the, the retirement board is not a party to the MOAs. We strictly administer the plan based on the <coughs> municipal code provisions. And so the money owed back is owed back to the employer. We have nothing to do with that. In terms of collection of the money, that's not for us to decide, but we do need to report it to the employer when there is a grant of service-connected disability. And just for the benefit of the public members to, to kind of educate them on the issue is that uh, generally when a member retires in service connection, they, they have the option to sell back their sick leave for a certain sum of money. And so a lot of these individuals had retired for service, had a service retirement, but also checked the box for service-connected disability, which later got adjudicated at a later date on their disability. When you do get a disability benefit, as far as I understand the issue, is that under the MOAs, you have to then return back some of that money that you received in sick leave pay because you got granted a disability retirement benefit. And so some of these members have been in service retirement for a period of time while their disability application was going through the process, and now we've granted that, and now the city now is, um, they, they owe money back to the city. And so that's the controversy here, and it, again, to Trustee Will uh, Wilson's point, it is a very personal decision, because if you decide you want a service-connected disability, you do get your 50% tax um, benefit from your service-connected disability for your service retirement benefit that's paid out, or you can determine that's not worth it to me, I'd rather get um, keep the sick leave money that I, I received in full. So that's, again, a very personal decision, member by member. Um, they need to consider their financial situations. That's the best advice as fiduciary counsel for the plan that I can provide to the members. Yeah, through the chair, I understand that. In fact, as soon as they said it to me, I know what it was because we only got 80% of 1680 back in my time. I lost about $20,000 because I didn't use my sick leave. I was a good employee and very fortunate. But on the other hand, all I'm saying is real simple. The retiree association called me during that meeting and said they weren't informed, they didn't know, so they could help give advice, and that's all I'm saying, period. Let's don't make it bigger than it is, please, because I appreciate what sure. you're saying. I understand it, but the people that were being called, they don't understand it, and then they go off and cause a lot of more tension than there is. And so yeah, communication is best for all of us. If Local 230 and POA know something, we should all be shared and, and have that information. I didn't say make a decision for somebody. Mm help them and that's what Understood. I do. So thank so you. So I, I do believe that um, my conversations with the staff have indicated that they have done some educational bits around it in the more recent years. Um, I'm not, I can't speak to this, in, you know, the further back in time as how sufficient our education was back then, but in the recent years it has been more robust. As the but retiree to, fire to the point rep, I just give you what was asked of me of the retiree association. Sure, and, and, and what we can do is connect with the retiree association and um, have a conversation with them. Well, after all we've been through, that tension is too much out there, and misunderstandings, and everybody here has worked so hard to try to resolve that. And so we don't need to go off on those things because people that are retired are out of the equation. Mr. Chair? Yeah. I just have two uh, points well taken. Trustee Santos, uh, we have been working on this for a while. So a couple of more items. Uh, we plan to bring to you board our budget request um, for the calendar year, for the fiscal year 24-25 at your meeting next month. Um, Barbara will be this year making the presentation. Uh, she's really looking forward to it. Um, we still are having discussions internally on, on, on the full request and as you know how the process works, we actually communicate also with the mayor's office. So 
certainly we'll keep you posted but right now um, we um, our goal is to present the budget request for your meeting next month worst case scenario it will be delayed to the April meeting but we're hoping we can do so in March and lastly I just wanted to thank staff and everyone you noticed this morning you have uh, new nice chairs <laughs> and so I think it was about time and so I want to thank staff for getting the new chairs after the old ones were either uh, broken or somehow left the area so these are now the chairs that we have for your meeting so thank you I conclude my comments well, let me with try that, another question to the chair if one of those retirees is affected are they able to call staff and then get, they're able to explain them what is going on no y yes and this is exactly why uh, Dick uh, the the president of the of the uh, retiree association contacted me on my cell phone and I responded to him we have a line of communication open the reason council is involved is because we as staff were trying to really be helpful to the trust to the member and see what options were available so yes they can contact staff we have been working with them but I think, uh, you know, without saying much more, uh, this is really more of an issue between the employer and the members, and this uh, yeah. is limited what we can do. No, thanks. That's good. Thank you. Uh, Please. About the budget, uh, I guess I just wanted to perhaps refresh um, that I think it would really be helpful to, uh, I think I've said this before, which is when we have these ad hoc approvals to maybe put some context in the annual budget on what is included and what may not be, may be coming down the pike. So we have some, when we make, you know, uh, approvals on some investment uh, vendors or, or, you know, other vendors, we have some context to that. So if that can be included in the budget discussion, if it's appropriate. So I just want to make sure that I'm clear. In the budget, when we present the budget, we actually indicate what are the, which consultants we are including in the, in the uh, budget. Are you asking for something more than that? Now, again, the budget it does include consultants, but the budget does not include expenses related to investments other than the uh, salary and benefits of the investment staff. Yeah, I know it doesn't include the fees. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 it, but in terms of consulting uh, expenses, all the contracts, uh, the, we, we, men we mentioned the bigger ones. Uh, the, okay. you know, we, I may not go through all the subscriptions uh, costs, but we do have a, a, a section of the budget that <coughs> deals with um, those expenses. And we actually list who they are, uh, whether it's uh, fiduciary council or or it's a, you know, uh, Mikita, no Mikita, whether it's um, all the kind of consulting fees, they're included in there. But again, if they are fees related to investments, let's say Mikita, that would not, that is not, yeah, right, no, Benya, that's no. not on the, on, the, on the budget. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I didn't mean investment fees. I meant vendors. Yes, you know, we, we keep approving we during the year vendor contracts that will be, that will be not just investments rather. yes that's right that will be part of the, bu uh, the budget we do that we have a section just for that okay any other questions for Roberto not moving on Pam do you have anything for us just uh, just a couple of things coming up um, I wanted to let you know that we will be going into budget session coming up very soon and on February 13th, our council meeting will be dedicated to budget uh, priority study session. So we'll be talking about specific issues around what our priorities will be. Um, uh, just a note that our council meetings and study sessions on the 6th, the 13th, and the 16th of February 
will be available online, but you will no, will no longer be able to call in if you want to make public comment. You'll have to submit a letter, as has happened pre-COVID, or come to the meeting in person. Um, that So that'll be a, a, the budget priority session will be a really the beginning's discussion of the budget. Mayor's March message is due out mid-March, and uh, I expect to see public safety included in a large way in that budget, in addition to uh, funding uh, homeless emergency housing, uh, emergency interim housing. We have a lot of these housing units that we're trying to build, but funding is, go is going to be tied and it's gotta come from somewhere and that I expect will come from the budget that we'll need to make sure we can fully fund these and get some of our unhoused off the streets into temporary housing units while we work on also building affordable housing. So I, I also wanna note that in my newsletter in January, we sent out a survey to our residents and asked them a lot of questions. We had a really good response this year, which was must have been we were on point with our questions. But um, the top on our residents' mind is public safety. Uh, the police and fire, but predominantly p police, break-ins on the, in the streets, in, in cars. Um, uh, although my district, District 9, has relatively low crime rates, the, each individual who's had a break-in doesn't feel that and feels that it's a much bigger issue. So it's a high priority in my district and I know it is across the city too. So I expect to see us maintain our funding levels for police and fire, even though cuts will have to be made somewhere and I don't have no idea where those are gonna be, be made at this point. So that's really all I have to add at the moment, but when I have any updates about our budget, I'll let you know. Thank you. All right, we'll move on to discussion and action on the final OPEB evaluation by Chiron. Good morning. Okay, um, so we're we're here today to present the final uh, results of the actuarial evaluation for the OPEB plan. Uh, this is our, our schedule for the actuarial calendar, and you can see it's the last item uh, for this year. In addition to the OPEB valuation, we have a very short item on, on five-year projections. We, uh, we presented preliminary results back in December. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but uh, there have not been significant changes since the preliminary results. But I uh, just wanna reiterate, this valuation setting the contributions for fiscal year end 2025. It is only setting the city contributions. The member contributions, uh, unlike the pension plan, are fixed in the statute in the municipal code. So there's no change there. Uh, the other important thing to understand about this system is it is largely closed. So the members who receive the full benefits uh, 
are tier one members who did not elect to join the VEBA. And so there's no tier two members, no ongoing members. It's, it's that uh, closed group. And so it's a, a different dynamic from that standpoint. Uh, the other piece is there are actually two different uh, investment pools that fund the plan. The employee contributions go into the 401H account, which is a part of the pension trust. And so it's in, those monies are invested alongside the pension assets. And then the city's contributions go into a 115 trust that is invested separately and has a different investment policy. The change from uh, the last valuation to this valuation, uh, assets went up, liabilities went up, the liabilities went up faster than the assets, and so the funded ratio declined slightly. Uh, we'll talk about the causes of that, um, but the other thing to note here is the, the blue bars represent the liability for the members in pay status, people currently receiving the benefits, and the red bar is, is for the active members. And so you can see how heavily dominated the liabilities are by people who are currently receiving benefits. Uh, and the assets currently are not sufficient to pay the value of their benefits. Here we're looking at the uh, contributions. Uh, as I indicated, the member contributions are really set in the municipal code, so there's uh, any change in the dollar amounts is just uh, due to payroll changes. Uh, the gold bars are the city's contribution uh, to the trusts, and those are going up uh, slightly, about a mil going up about a million dollars for fire and uh, less than half a million for police. Uh, so the other thing I didn't mention is this plan is much, much smaller than the pension plan. So when we're talking about amounts increasing, uh, it's not anywhere on the scale of the pension contributions. Uh, I think I'll just move on from that. Uh, and here on the left-hand side, we're showing the changes in the unfunded actuarial liability from last year to this year and, and what caused it. And you can see there were some slight investment gains, contributions helped bring it down, but the big thing was that liability loss that increased the liability by about 58 million. That was largely due to premium increases on the healthcare plans, uh, increasing the liability. Uh, there were some assumption changes that increased it. But, uh, We've been through, the chart on the right right now is just showing the liability gain loss for the last five years. And you can see we've had gains, gains are below zero, uh, and uh, losses are above. So that 58 million is the bar on the far right. <coughs> the prior four years, we've all had gains. So we went through a period where healthcare costs did not go up as much as expected and so we kind of had a reversion this last year where they went up more th than expected. Um, if I can bring some of the other pieces in. Uh, on the pension side, the real variable is the investments. Uh, you can see here, <laughs> that's the investment gain or loss, and it's not as significant as the liability gain or loss. 
So here we're much more driven by um, what happens with healthcare premiums. We've had uh, assumption changes and so forth. And if I can, my Zoom stuff is getting in the way here. Uh, and our contributions are just at the level to, to gradually bring down the UAL. So you can see, uh, on average, we've bounced back and forth between increasing and decreasing the UAL. Turn it to Taylor to talk about some of the trends here. So this is a look at uh, membership trends over the last several years. Uh, specifically, these are active employees. Um, we show the members eligible for catastrophic benefits in the light blue and members, members eligible for full benefits in the dark blue. Um, so you can kind of clearly see how, how that closed group is uh, decreasing over time. Again, just kind of a, a look at that closed group there. So bringing in the, um, the members currently receiving benefits, um, this, is, this is a look at, at those and that fully active uh, members together. And I just point out that the, the Medicare members, those in the light green, they're increasing over time. What does catastrophic mean? So Sorry. those are the, the members who are only eligible for benefits if they have a catastrophic disability. That be the tier two. That's the tier two and the the, the long and short of it is, if a police officer or a firefighter was <clears throat> say only on three years, they're paying into a um, retiree health savings account. They would not have enough money if they were to um, suffer a catastrophic disability. You know, shot, fall through a burning building, something, and they would not have health care. So the city would pick that up and it only applies under that. Thank you. Let's see if I can get the slide to move. Yeah, if, if, if that's Thanks. the case, how, why do we say it's a closed plan? It, it's not technically closed. I tried to say it's mostly closed. Uh, the catastrophic disability benefits are um, such a smaller liability that, uh, and you'll see that if I can get my slides to move here, uh, in the projections, yeah. Being a closed plan, tier one, tier one has um, a retiree healthcare provision. Mm -hmm. Tier two does not because they pay into a retiree healthcare account right. as opposed. So to Bill's point, it's a very, very small number of people that end up in that situation. And I can, I'd say in the last, we I don't know how many years, we have one person. We have one since tier two was initiated. Yeah. He's not technically there yet because he hasn't been approved for disability retirement yet. But. I was going to say, I don't recall. <laughs> he, he's in process. Satisfied, but yeah. Right. And this slide just shows the, distribution of actives um, split between those members full eligible, fully eligible for full benefits and the, and the catastrophic members uh, by age group. And here the, the purple dots are the members eligible for full benefits last year um, compared to the, the blue bars, which are members eligible for full benefits this year.
like to continue here, Carl? Okay, that's the end of the plan around the house. This is a distribution of retired members um, between last valuation and this valuation. Um, just point out increases in the, the older ages um, compared to last time. Younger ages tend to be more, they're more stable or have decreased in some cases. Um, and these are, those, these are projected benefit payments over the coming years. Um, I'd point out a couple things. One is, um, kind of highlighting what we talked about, the, the catastrophic disability payments are, are a much smaller piece of, of the overall projected payments. Um, the other is the growth and the, the Medicare, the payments for Medicare members um, as members age into that, that benefit. Yeah, so a lot of times people think before Medicare, the, the subsidy amount is actually larger because the cost of health care is larger until Medicare kicks in uh, and pays part of it. But you only have that pre-Medicare until you're age 65, and you have the post-Medicare for the remainder of their life. And so that ends up being the more valuable uh, portion of the benefit. Here we're uh, showing the projections if all assumptions are met. Uh, the gray bars are the, the liability, and the green line is the market value of assets. The percentage at the top is the, the funded percentage. Uh, and so we're currently at 39 or 36% funded, depending on police or fire, uh, projected to get to 95% over the next 20 years if all assumptions are met. Now what's driving that is we're amortizing that unfunded liability. And uh, this chart, each uh, bar is the payment on the unfunded liability for a given year. And the big piece you'll see is in 2017, we started this whole funding plan and we took the whole UAL and set up an amortization schedule for it. And so those are the dark red bars at the, the top. Um, the black line is the net payment, and so once those are fully paid off, the, the contribution, city's contribution drops dramatically. Uh, the light, um, light colors are prior years. This medium red is what we've added this year. That's the, the liability loss this year and the projected payments for it. Again, just to keep this in perspective, I would note that the top of the entire graph is $40 million. So when we're talking about the, the pension, we're uh, well over $200 uh, million in the contribution. So um, we're at a different scale here. And so here's uh, looking at the projection. Uh, the, the purple bars at the bottom are the projected member payments, and you can see those declining as the people eligible for full benefits uh, retire. The gold bars are the, the projected city contributions. Uh, the blue line is what we projected in the last valuation. And so you can see there's a, an increase this year and then scheduled increases the next two years. Uh, the way we amortize 
the changes is to phase in the effect over three years. And so that the loss this year takes three years to get the full, full effect. Um, so the city's contributions are uh, expected to increase um, from 19 million for police to 36 million by the, that peak year. Uh, and then they drop significantly. And you see a similar pattern, although lower, for, for fire. The, the one other thing I would note here is part of the, the statute gives the city an option uh, to limit their, their contribution to 11% of payroll. And we are, we've been hovering the last uh, few years either right below or right above that line. And so far the city has not uh, exercised that option. They've made the full, the full contribution. Um, but we are, I believe just slightly over the line this year, but you would expect with those increases that will be a little bit more over the 11% uh, going forward. So with that, we'll take any questions on the OPEB valuation. Here are no questions. Uh, I, I would just, for the record, there's also a full report attached to the agenda, um, so it provides a whole lot more detail than, than we did here, um, but that's part of um, what you would adopt and accept. Okay. No, hearing no questions, we'll move on. Do you need to is there action on this? Action. Uh, is there an action on this? Just as a... Oh, discussion and action. So we're just accepting the report? No, this is uh, yes, it should be uh, approved, the report. And I don't know if anyone has any comments from the public. Do we have any public comment? Bearing that, motion to approve. Okay. Motion to approve by Dick Santos. Second. Second by Sunita. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay. And then the next one is the five-year, right? Yes. Please. So uh, <coughs> every year uh, we provide uh, combined five-year projections of the pension and the OPEB benefits. Uh, these are primarily used by the city in their budgeting process. Uh, and so you just have a letter uh, capturing all the details of the five-year projections. There's an appendix with a 20-year pension projection, but these just reiterate things that were in the valuation report in, in more of a form that the city uses for their budget process. Thank you, Bill. And I already forward the five-year um, estimates and projection to the budget director for the city so that he can use that information along with the federal one for the budget process. And um, I know Today's presentation sort of concludes uh, Chiron's involvement with the 2023 ACRE evaluation process. Um, uh, one of the items that we have later is for the board to kick off an RFP process uh, for 2024. And I want to wish uh, Chiron good luck. I know, uh, I know as staff, we are happy with the work, uh, working with Chiron. But more than anything, um, as you know, I, I will be moving on uh, this summer, so I wanted to 
personally, uh, thank you for your work and Kyron's work and on behalf of the plans members. Um, it's, it's been a, a pleasure. It's been um, um, working with you and Kyron. And um, I will be gone, but the plans will be here, and so will the board. And as you <laughs> said, these meetings are remotely. So if I'm drinking coffee and I have uh, available time, I may join from uh, from Orlando and ask you some questions. So I wanted to, again, thank you and, and wish you and, and Kyron the, the best of luck. So it's been a real pleasure. So thank you for working with you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I, uh, I would say it has been a uh, very productive working relationship and I very much enjoyed working with you. I wish you the best in retirement. Uh, we will miss you. Uh, I'll be sure to text you during board meetings so that you can chime in. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you. All right, moving to 4E discussion and action on selection process of a plan actuary. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chair. With us here is our accounting manager, which you cannot tell, but she's really excited that she's coming to these meetings. Uh, she's smiling right now. Right, Benji? I'm so excited. <laughs> and she's here to present this Isn't item. Is the name of a song? <laughs> it is also a song, but I don't think she's going to be singing for us. No, uh, to um, actually present the selection process and this is an action item. Uh, please feel free to ask any questions. Uh, we want to make sure that at the end of the day, uh, you're well aware of what we are recommending so that uh, you can uh, take some action. Thank you. Benji? So the purpose of this item is to discuss the timeline and determine the joint ad hoc committee for the selection of the actuaries should the board decide to issue an RFP of instead of extending the contract. I know that's not included in the memo, but Barbara and I were talking about that. and. Um, the board does have the option of extending the contract, like, you know, as Roberto had mentioned, we are happy with the services. We have had them for a while. The only reason I would recommend an RFP is because in the GFOA um, best practices, well, it doesn't say that you should um, issue an RFP, but, um, you know, when you extend the contract, it should be at five-year um, terms. So they, we have the last RFP we issued by the end of this term would have been um, eight years ago. We have had them for 13 years, so um, the memo just outlines the current vendor policy as well as it's also in line with the um, the, pro the proposed policy on procurement and contracting that the governance committee will present later. So um, the left side of the chart in the memo shows the steps in the process, and then the right side is our recommendation. We do need um, <coughs> to have a new actuary selected before the end of June because that's when their contract expires. So this is a lot of information, so I will take any questions you have. Hi, Benji. A couple of questions. The, uh, how is this different than the last RFP? You said it was eight years ago, or was it 2011? It was eight years ago in 2016. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be any different. I mean, it's basically, we just added a few services that benefits requested in the RFP, but the RFP is essentially the same and then just updated for some um, okay. verbiage. All right, great. And I, I, I'm not aware of this. Is this. Does Federated have a different actuary? No, they, they have the same actuary. Okay. So we, we are presenting them this to the board next um, at their next meeting. Okay. And then uh, there was an ad hoc committee that was mentioned. Is yes. How, so is that, how is that formed or is 
What is that? Well, that's one of the things we need you, you to make a decision about today. I know a lot of you guys have been on you know, different committees right now. There's a lot of things going on, so that would add additional work for, for you, board trustees. So, um, it, but it's your decision. You know, uh, we are just presenting this to you so you can make the decision. Hmm. Okay. All right, great. Thank and you. Just for clarification, the ad hoc committee would be specific to deal with the RFP? That's correct. Okay. And just determine the finalists, the interview finalists, who will be presented to the board or be, yeah, presented to the board at their, um, I think, May meeting or April meeting. Anyone else? Andrew? Do you, do you remember, I know this was eight years ago since the last RFP, um, how many people applied, how many firms applied? I don't remember, but I do, do know, um, I think it was around three or four. I know it was Chiron, Siegel, um, GRS was one of them. That was, um, one, I think, Federated's um, previous actuary. And um, I want to say one more, but I can't remember. I'm trying name. to think about the process that was used last time. You know, was it staff that you know filtered the you know the recipients or you know, people that applied, and you guys brought then brought the top two in in staff's opinion. That is versus correct. Versus the ad hoc. That is, no, it was the staff that the staff. Um, brought it to the board, but um, now there's, you know, in the policy, I think that was one of the decisions eight years ago was that the staff would um, determine the last two interviewees and then we, it would be brought to the board and there would be no joint ad hoc committee. Because the old vendor policy stated ad, joint ad hoc committee or um, the boards that will interview the finalists. But the proposed one that's going to the governance says both ad hoc and boards. You're referring to the... The one the that's coming up under the governance committee session okay, later. so it's recommending ad hoc. It's not a requirement, it's a recommendation. Well, they haven't approved the policy yet. It's going in front of the board today. Um, so if they decide not to you know, use a joint ad hoc committee, that could be one of the things that could be changed in the policy. All right, but let me just because ask right now council then, is those ad hoc, is that a recommendation or is that something that I ask because if it's a recommendation, then certainly I think it's always helpful, but then it will, it will be helpful for the board to understand that because as you mentioned, there's a lot of things going on right now uh, and you know whether they want to set up an ad hoc committee or not, then they have the choice. But if what we're going to be recommending is a requirement, then is somewhat more of a moot point because assuming that it's approved, then they have no choice. They have exactly. to approve it with the ad hoc committee. Well, the ad hoc committee and the current pending um, policy that Cortex has provided has not been approved, and so that that's currently a recommendation out of requirements. Um, in terms of the ad hoc committee, I do want to get clarification for the board. Is it a joint? ad hoc committee where there would be one liaison from each board or are we envisioning an ad hoc committee for each plan because as, as I was reading this memo it looked like federated and um, police and fire do not need to share the same actuary and so I wanted a clarity on that one piece and the second piece that I wanted to get clarification as well for the benefit of the board is on page two of the memo it states that if the board retains current actuary from this RFB process another actuary will need to be selected from the same R from this same RFP to audit the current actuary. So in, so in addition to our plan actuary, we also need an auditing actuary. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm unclear for this RFP process. Would we have two RFPs going simultaneously, one for the auditing and one for the plan actuary, or would we pick the plan actuary first and then have a separate RFP process for the um, auditing? Because con conceivably in the field, there's only about four or five actuaries, and say if we 
pick our current auditing actuary that would disqualify them and we would have to get another one. And so I just put that out for the board to consider as well. Um, it would be the latter. So um, whoever the last two um, interview finalists are, whoever is picked as the um, main actuary, the second one will be the uh, auditing actuary. I see. Okay. Thank you. Question. So uh, on, in the draft procurement policy, uh, the what is the uh, what is being considered as a time frame for having RFPs? Is it five years or ten years? Or? I believe it's six years. Five or six years, I think. Was Five or six years. So this is six sort of years. Six years. Okay. And then um, the other question I had was, um, is the, should the board maybe is more of a consideration since we are, you know, Chironos has been with us for a while and we're going to have some changes this year. Is it possible to just renew it for a year until we have, you know, um, other things sorted out? Is it, or is it, does it have to be renewed for five years? I mean, I think the vendor selection policy, the one that's being proposed later, the recommendation is six years, but it is up to the board. You have the discretion, you know, um, to to just extend it for a year and um, issue the RFP next year. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to have, you know, CEO search going on, et cetera, you might consider. I'm just, um, does it I matter? Or I mean, no, that's a fair point. I don't, unless council uh, indicates otherwise, or you feel strongly, differently about it. I don't think that's a bad idea to uh, just have extend the contract another year and then wait next year until you have the new players, CEO and everything else, maybe a few board members. And then at that point you can kick off an RFP. You don't have to do it that way. I'm just saying that that's certainly a, a, an option and I think that's a very uh, viable approach. But again, it's the, the reason we're sitting here this morning is so that you can decide how we would like to proceed. Uh, just one last comment. W what is typically the transition when, I mean, this is a big role in the plan, right? Between one actuary to another, is there an overlapping period? Is there so much of information? I'm not really sure. Is that I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by overlapping <laughs> period, but um, uh, I, I can let Chiron uh, talk about that uh, because they have done that many times, not just in our office, but in all across the state. Um, but say you you go with an RFP and we hire a new actuary for 2024, mm -hmm. the new actuary will just get all the information that they need from us from the standpoint of the, the members and the financial statements. And I'm sure that obviously, I don't want to speak for Kyron, but this data, they can ask questions uh, for the work that Kyron has done in the past. I mean, I don't know what you guys do professionally. First of all, just so that it's clear, there's only a very small handful of yeah. public firms that provide, that actual firms that provide um, service to public organizations like us. So they all know each other very well, but uh, I don't know if you want to speak I mean, more about this. One, one, if my memory serves right, the person who, the, the firm that audited us this time was the firm that was our actuary before? Is that many, many years ago, yes. It was okay. one of the actuary for one of the boards, because that's another thing in the past the two boards had different actuaries. Oh, okay. That changed since, I think, Chiron was higher. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Back in 2011? 2011, yeah. Yes. So, so I'll just speak generally for actuarial practice. Uh, when a new actuary comes in, the first thing they have to do is replicate the prior valuation to make sure that they are getting the same numbers or reasonably close to the same numbers as the prior 
actuary. And the prior actuary is involved in that process to provide data, answer questions, uh, that sort of thing. Then uh, when they move to the next year's valuation, the new actuaries on their own collecting the data from the system and, and moving forward. So the prior actuary is just involved with helping them um, make sure that they have the, the prior work replicated. Makes sense. Thank you, David. Any other questions? Well, I'll make my comment, and I've said this before. I understand we're public plan and all this, but in my house, I don't get rid of my contractor to look for a new contractor that might or might not be better if I'm happy with them. I kind of agree with the position of we got a lot going on right now, and especially with Roberto retiring and getting a new CEO, everybody being on committees, being down a board member, it's not a terrible idea to extend the contract, but that's my personal take on it. I'd welcome other opinions. I think uh, I, I generally agree with you. Um, I would say that renewing it for another five years is, makes me a little uncomfortable because it's always good to have another set of eyes uh, every, I don't know, call it a decade. Um, so uh, if Chiron is willing to stay for another year and then we reconsider this with the new management, that, that would be, I think, uh, I mean, they may still be the, the people we pick, but at least to have a process. And it is, a, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding from the staff, it's, it, it's a process. It is a process. <laughs> um, drafting the RFP, having, you know, Barbara review it, issuing it. I would be on board with the one year because that would give us time to get a little settled. We, we have that vacant trustee position as well to consider. So, Is, is there any downside to this? <coughs> I don't see a downside, but again, if that's what you're discussing, so you can decide. I'll make the motion to extend the contract for one year. I'll just second it. Say the downside is that we get to see Bill's pretty face come back, <laughs> <laughs> you know, month after month. But beyond that, I do have a motion, and I think I had our second. Motion, Dave. Second, Sunita. Yeah. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? <coughs> okay. Thank you. So the item after this one is um, for risk strategies. It's to um, approve a new five-year contract with risk strategies, who is our insurance broker, for a maximum contract amount of $300,000 to be split with Federated. So in August of last year, we issued an RFP for insurance broker services, with, but we did not get any responses. Um, and then after looking at it again, we determined that it would qualify under the RFQ, which is a request for quote um, process, because the actual amount that we're paying the brokers is only $70,000. Um, the amount that was quoted in the internal auditor's report included insurance premium, so it seemed a lot higher than it was. Um, so an RFQ was issued, and as a result, we received two quotes. Um, one was from Risk Strategies, which is our current insurance vendor, uh, broker, and the other one is from Epic Brokers. Um, <coughs> risk Strategies came in at a lower base cost of $50,000 um, versus $62,500 for um, Epic Brokers. So based on the city's policy that the RFQ should be um, based on the lowest cost, we're recommending that we um, sign with Risk Strategies for five years. 
since the services would be similar. Um, I think Brian is also on standby in case you have any questions for, for them. How do you calibrate the 300,000 to the 60,000? I'm sorry, I'm not understanding. I'm sorry, can you repeat I that? I thought the approval from the, in the agenda is for 300,000. I thought you said 60,000. It's 60,000 a year for um, per plan. That's, it's 50,000 is the base um, cost. And if they are, uh, they have an incentive um, amount written uh, that they wanna propose, that if they can lower the insurance premium by, by 5%, then they would get an extra $10,000. So it's 60,000. Whereas Epic Brokers, is um, their base cost is 62,500 and then they have an escalation per year. And you said the 700,000 included the premiums for, sorry, I didn't understand that. So there's the insurance <coughs> premium for our fiduciary insurance. Oh, okay, this is the broker fee this and that's just the premium. Correct. Okay. Got it. And just so we are clear, this is a five-year? That's correct. Contract. It's a five-year. And this is total between police and fire federated. To be split between the plans. 50 it will 50. be split, but it will not be split 50-50. It, it would be split Almost 50-50, but a little bit variation, or is it 50-50? No, we um, talked about it, and okay. he said he would just do 50-50. Okay. okay, very well, thank you. Because it's the same um, service that he's doing for both of them. Yes. In the past, they used to base it on the um, premium. Yes, so. on the premium, okay. Yes. Just so I'm just saying on that. Uh, it, it ends on 2028. Fiscal yeah, June 30, 2028. That's uh, four, four something years from now, right? And then it's 300,000 split 50 50, so that's 150. And 150 is five. So isn't that 30? Or no, it's um, it's 60 per year. So 60 times 300. Did I say 300? Yeah, so it comes out to about 30 per plan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I just see that the three hundred thousand is not to exceed, and yes. that's a total Correct. sum. <coughs> yes. So divide by two is one fifty. And by five is uh, thirty thousand each. So it's thirty thousand per plan. So per plan. Yeah. Okay. That's correct. Sorry. Okay. And, and have we always incurred this cost, or is this a new cost? We have always um, incurred the cost. Is they in the past they've. Um, based it on commission, I think it was around 17% based on the insurance premium. So we always had a broker, except we didn't do an RFP for a broker. Correct. Is that what the problem That's was? Correct. I forget, yes. I'm sorry, it's been a while. Okay, yes. got it, okay, makes sense. Motion to approve. I have a motion to approve, one second. Second, I have a second, Dave Wilson will open up for conversation. I, I just wanna ask, because you always catch me with per the city policies we go to the cheapest vendor i understand this is just a broker who's getting us an insurance company is it a different insurance company does staff get the um i'll say the required feedback that they need if they're reaching out i i, I don't want to just expel less money if we're not getting an equal service it's and that's uh, us as a board i don't believe any of us are contacting them it's the same so company I'd like that to we've know. had so it's the same company we've had and you guys are comfortable with it? Yes, it's been okay. very responsive. We've worked with them for a long time. The issue just came out that um, we didn't have a contract with them and we've never issued an RFP. So that's why we're going through this process. Okay. But Chair Hardwell brings up a good point. Do you get to see them shopping around for insurance providers? Like do they give you some 
Um, insight into that? So what they do is give us an application like around this time now that we fill out to give information about the um, plans and the, um, the financial statements. Then we provide it to them, then they shop around, then they come back with proposals of different companies of who, what um, the premiums are being offered and which one is the lowest one. Then um, I present it to Roberto, then he makes the decision okay. which one So you get to see that? Yes, Okay, great, thank that. you. That's a very good point, yeah. No. Okay. If, you, if you would like to speak to the broker. No, no, no. No, 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 but I mean, I... No, no, I, I mean, I, just, I think he raised a good point. Are we yeah. seeing them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and a big thing for me is I'm, I want to make sure that staff is not dealing with a company or an organization that's not responsive, but no, we've no. got to go with them because of some rule. So unless there's any other questions, I'll call for the vote. Hearing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay. Thank you. Benji. No, she said thank you, Benji. And, and thank you, Benji, for coming. We appreciate it. Thank you for buying. excited about coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're moving on to retirements, to which we have one service retirement. Brendan. E. Caston, fire engineer, fire department, effective January 4th, 2024, 25.81 years of service with reciprocity. I will read off the defer vested as well, and then I'll ask for any comments. Terrence M. Craig, police officer, police department, effective March 3rd, 2024, 20.15 years of service. Antonio Antonio Figueroa, police officer, police department, effective December 30th, 2023, 30.03 years of service with reciprocity. Motion to approve. I have a motion to approve by Dick. Second. I have a second by Dave Wilson. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Um, opposed? Any comments? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I worked with uh, Brendan Kasten for many years. Um, great gentleman, I appreciate all the hard work you provide to the city and our citizens. Um, so enjoy your retirement and stay healthy. Thanks. Yeah, I'll speak for uh, Terry and Antonio. Uh, wish them the best luck uh, in retirement. Obviously, it sounds like they've probably been retired for a little bit since it's deferred vested. But a uh, continued long life. Enjoy it. Thank you. Moving on to the one part that I don't think we necessarily look forward to. Um, death and survivorship notifications. Notification of the death of Roscoe Fanucci, police sergeant, retired January 16, 1982, died December 3rd, 2023, no survivorship benefits. Notification of the death of John Livingston, Livingstone, Police Sergeant, retired August 19, 1986, died November 28, 2023, survivor benefit to Lou Ann Livingstone, spouse. Notica notification of the death of Blaine Owens, fire captain, retired August 3, 2000, died November 27, 2023, no survivorship benefits. Notification of death of Gregory J. Pink, police officer, retired October 9, 1979, died November 26, 2023, 
survivorship benefits to Kathleen Pink, spouse. Notification of the death of David E. Tozar, police officer retired January 7, 2004, died January 13, 2024, survivorship benefits to Suzanne Tozer, spouse. I'll have a moment of silence. Thank you. Any comments? With all respect to uh, Dave Wilson first, and I'll be glad to say something. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, thoughts and prayers to their family and their friends. Uh, I do notice that three out of the five uh, retirees, uh, 37, 41, and 43 years in retirement. Uh, God bless them. That's a nice long retirement. Uh, two of them cut well short at 20 years in retirement. Uh, thoughts and prayers to them. Agreed. Yeah, Blaine Owens. Uh, Captain Blaine Owens was a real special person, a contagious laugh, and uh, he helped out with our employee assistance program. And uh, rest in peace. He uh, didn't have family, and very sad, too young. Okay, thank you. All right, moving on to committee minutes, reports, and recommendations. We'll start with the invested investment committee. Uh, we've not had a meeting since the last board meeting, so we have a meeting coming up March 1st. Did you have a party? <laughs> okay, we'll go to 7-2, audit risk. Same, we haven't met within the meeting this month. All right, so now you're going you're to stick it with me then, I guess, because it seems like I've met a lot this week. Oh, we, Roberto. You, you did. I did. Um, governance committee, um, we had a lot going on. So first, it's, a, I believe, a receive and file of the minutes. And then we had a few things. Someone give me some guidance on what we need to actually take action on. Uh, sure. Mr. Um, Chair, probably Meta, because she did a lot yeah, of work. She, yeah, she was there, too. <laughs> I was there, too. I was in San Jose three, three days out of this week. Um, so the, the one mm -hmm. action item that we do have before this board today that's ripe is uh, the agenda item C, 7.3C, which is discussion and action on the board's policy on contracting and procurement for ORS's operations. The, there are a few things in the actual policy that's attached to the agenda that needed further refining, and so the, the attachment to the agenda is not subject to the board's approval for today because Cortex is going back to take back some of the direction and incorporate that and come back with a final for the for the committee to just sign off and make sure that they got exactly what they had instructed <coughs> in the policy. But you can see in the back of the, with the agenda, that is the draft policy in large substance. It's all there. There's just a few fine tweaking things that need to be done before we can finalize and approve it at the committee level and then bring it to the board level. However, the committee did take action to approve the delineation between when to follow city policy for contracting and procurement and when to follow the board's policy for ORS's operations on that same issue. Um, as stated on pages three to four, that is the recommendation. If you turn with me to the attachment, um, just so the board has it fully in front of them. If you turn to pages three and four of the uh, proposed policy from, from Cortex, it states out the delineation of when we follow the city policies and when we follow the board's policy subject to being uh, further approved. Um, and that's be what's being recommended to this board 
today by committee recommendation. So in broad strokes and high summary for the benefit of the, the public and the board, <coughs> the committee had approved and recommend the following delineation. So we're goods and for goods and non-consulting services, over $10,000 for the life of the contract, those items would follow the city's procurement policy. So that would fall outside the scope of this board's policy that's being subject for approval. We would be following the city's policies on that. However, for consulting services and for critical plan administration services, that would be falling within the board's policy. Now, my understanding and based on the information pro provided by Portex, this delineation is closely similar to what the current policy is for the city, which is that for consulting services, generally the <coughs> city refers it back to the department to handle their own RFP on those issues. And so the only thing that we are adding with further clarification is that consulting services also extends to critical plan administrative services. So that's an additional carve out um, that we included in the contracting and procurement policy for one reason. It's that the board and ORS alone are the fiduciaries for the administration of the plan and that requires some independence from the city. So for example, pension administration system, we, ha we have an obligation to get those checks out and that's our obligation alone. And so we have to make sure we can meet that obligation. And so there, there's a certain level number of carve outs. If you look on page four, what is listed as uh, critical plan administrative functions that would be subject to our policy. It identifies death auditing services, for example, that sort of con um, fiduciary obligation to make sure we only pay benefits when due. We can't pay someone who's already been deceased and no longer is entitled to a benefit. So that's a critical administ plan administrative function that our, our plan and ORS serves for the boards. And so that is what is being presented to the board today for approval, that delineation and scope listed on pages three and four. Yeah, Mr. Chair. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, David Kwan was there and myself and uh, you, of course, and the uh, Federated. I do want to take the time to acknowledge uh, Maytag because she had to read a whole lot of stuff. This <laughs> was over an hour and a half meeting. You know, and it, it was a, a good good meeting between both boards getting together. That was really good. And for uh, Council Member Foley, we also mirrored the policies of the city so we could have more existence together and be on the same policy, which was really good. But overall, it, it was a very good productive meeting and the joint meeting was very good. Thank you. So I, <coughs> correct me, but I think, I know that it's not completely done, but right. do we need to accept it do we need to approve it so so there's two items before uh trustee Sanchez was talking about the city policies aspect that's, of it. A, that's, that's a, a different one that's item, the matrix correct um currently the motion or the the recommendation before this committee from this board from the committee is to adopt that delineation for goods and services goods yes. and non-consulting services over ten thousand dollars for the duration of the life of the contract will follow city policies and anything that is for consulting services or plan, critical plan administrative functions as defined in the draft policy on pages three and four, that, that delineation is presented to this board because as you may recall, and I'll go into further comments, the mayor in 2023 
in November had requested that the both boards review the city policies and determine which of the policies they would adopt. This is part of that exercise. Okay. So if someone can repeat what she just said in a motion, I'll make a I'll motion to it. adopt the delineation as explained by council. I, I just <laughs> okay. have one clarifying question. When you say over $10,000 in the first part and you don't say any dollar in the second part, are we at the risk of an assumption that because most of the stuff under 10 is not going to be 10,000, it's going to be much more, that the policy, somebody might read it and say you should have adopted the first. Why, why would we have a dollar? Well, I think that's for the issuing RFPs and whatnot. So Barbara may be able to speak more to this. My understanding is there's certain thresholds for when we need to trigger uh, the procurement rules. Anything below it usually is within the department's jurisdiction. But that's something operationally, Barbara. I don't know, but just let me make sure I understand the mm -hmm. question. I'm totally for that. But with the way it reads now, where 10 doesn't have a dollar amount, it seems like if if you have, let's say, a custodian that you're paying more than 10,000, that it, it would go into the first rule. Well, well, so this this issue right that's before the committee right. I'm sorry, I keep saying committee because I was just at the committee. The board is just the delineation of when to follow the city and when to follow the the. Um, the plan, the board's policy. Later on in the, if you look at the full um, policy draft policy, there is an appendix that explains what dollar amounts do trigger RFIs, what triggers RFPs, when we use sole source. All the other nuts and bolts of what, how we go about procurement are stated elsewhere in this policy. That has not been approved yet fully by the committee because Cortex has further information they need to tweak on those various issues. And so the only issue that's before this board that's been recommended is to the, from the committee is just the scope of whether or not when to follow the city and when to follow the board. The board's policy, again, is not ripe yet, so to speak. It's still, okay. you know. So we're not inadvertently walking into a $10,000? No. no, no, no. Okay. So if you no. look on, for example, I think it's Appendix 6. That's okay. I'm, yeah. I'm fine with your answer. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to say. Page yeah. 3, it says non-consulting critical, non critical for the $10,000. That's correct. Right. So that, that, that would separate it out from Section 10 mm -hmm. if Section 10 is critical. Right. right. So I don't know. That's why maybe the, the dollar amount doesn't need to be stated. Well, so for example, I'm sorry, I'm speaking too closely to this. So if it is um, goods or non-consulting over 10000 you're right. We could just say it's just goods if you wanted to, to make that clear. But, you know, there may be some other services that are non-consulting that we receive. I don't know the full gamut of it, but we did want to make that clear between the two. Well, I think it's fine the way it is. I mean, the way I read it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I didn't pick up on it. Thanks, Alex. But I just want to make a comment that this is tremendous. I mean, I think uh, sort of being the chair of the audit committee, I've lived through the procurement audit, and, you know, this is huge, huge step, and I really uh, commend the team for getting to this place, and uh, hopefully that answers uh, any concerns from uh, the city around timeline uh, that I heard in the last uh, board meeting uh, recording, so. Thank you. So I do have a motion from Dave. Uh, I don't intend a second. Second from David. Any further discussion? Just want to say also to the chair, uh, thanks to Roberto and Benji for doing a lot of clarification for us. That was pretty helpful. It was. It's complicated stuff. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Just so that everyone is clear and staff is clear, that was just for item C? Mm -hmm. Correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay, thank you. 
And we will um, hopefully, once Cortex, my understanding is they're incorporating the edits from earlier this week, just in terms of status update on the contract and procurement policy. Um, and they will flip that back around. Hopefully we'll have another joint governance committee in the next few weeks. And then once we've got that approved, hopefully by um, the next board meeting, we'll have something for this board to approve. Um, okay, so the next agenda item, if I may, which is discussion and action on proposed board policy on oversight and monitoring of contractors. Um, so this is the second phase of the um, project that Cortex is working on. What's attached with your agenda is just a draft, so I just want to make that clear for both the public and the board. It's not the official document. Uh, we understand from Cortex that they will be coming back to the next joint governance committee with a more fully baked policy for our review, but we did want to just show where it is currently in the process. So there's no action to be taken on item 7D, 7 7.3D. 7 it's uh, to be deferred. That's, I'm sorry, oh, no, it's D. D. D, yeah. D was deferred. So you, is that both D1 and 2? Or yes. yes. Okay. D. D, okay. So moving on to E. And this item is also being deferred. Uh, we discussed a trustee educational travel plan yep. uh, that will help streamline trustee education and attendance on conferences. We did get further clarification <coughs> from the Joint Governance Committee. So again, the policy that's attached has broad strokes of what we're thinking, but it's not the final. And so we will be coming back at the next Joint Governance Committee. Yes, there were definite tweaks to that. And I, and I think the last one is the matrix. Mm -hmm. And it, unless, <laughs> there, there's a lot to the matrix. So what I'm kind of looking for for the matrix is we've got recommendations on multiple policies um, with some clarifications on some that, you know, are probably prepared to adopt and some that may need further work. Correct me if I'm wrong. And what I think we're looking for is um, to, I guess the term would be accept the matrix as given by council. Yes, that's So that's we could do further work on it. Right, so here, just for the benefit of the full, full board here, because we did discuss this at length at the Joint Governance Committee, so as you recall, the mayor did direct us to review the city policies and adopt the ones that we believed were appropriate for ORS's operation and to return back with a status update. We did so in November and December of 2023. We did do a phase one. We adopted the vast majority of the city policies at that time, but there were a few policies that we wanted to take a further look and really determine based on the language if it was prudent to adopt those. And so today I'm presenting to you by the matrix, phase two of that uh, review. And our recommendation is to adopt the remaining policies for the ORS's operations with certain uh, comments or caveats, uh, with the exception of two of the policies, which is Chapter 5.1, which is the procurement and contracting, which we have our separate policy underway, and, or we have separate vote on, and then also the travel issue, which we are still examining. So. In the matrix, there are generally four categories that these remaining policies fall into, and I'll go through each one of them at a high level to explain to you my thought processes and the recommendations, just to streamline it a little bit. One is health and safety. These relate to the COVID safety measures. We recommend adopting them because it's prudent to do so. Their, their policies made sense. The other category is employee labor relations and HR. 
We recommend adopting them with the exception for a carve-out for the CEO and CIO because of Measure G. Measure G grants the board authority over the hiring, firing, termination, and discipline of those two positions. And so we would adopt all the city policies with the exception of those two positions, which our board charters will address. Um, the JPC did, uh, we'll discuss later on um, when we get to the JPC, changes that we've made at, to the JPC charter that address those issues. And so those issues would be outside the adoption of the city policies. Um, and with with one, one additional piece, which I'll come back to later, is that the city's policies on discipline of employees surprisingly carved out ORS as within the <coughs> language of the actual policy. And so we can go ahead and adopt the city's policy on discipline because as written, it doesn't apply to us. However, we do recommend that we draft our own policy similar to what's in the city's policy to make clear that those provisions apply to ORS. And so that will be one of those policies we'll come back at phase three um, for the board and the joint committee to consider. The next category that we recommend adopting is training and development. We looked at those. Essentially what we were looking for is, is if any of the provisions uh, infringed on our fiduciary duties. They did not, so we recommend adopting those. Um, and the last category is a little bit more um, tricky because these relate to the financial policies. Now, in the policies themselves, the language used in the policy regarding its scope all relate to city funds meaning money in the, the city's general fund, or the collection and recording of revenue which the city collects. Now, as board, as the board in ORS, we don't deal with city funds, uh, and the, meaning the general fund. What we deal with is planned assets. So even looking at the policies and their language, it doesn't apply to us as written, and so we recommend adopting them. However, we also recommend adopting a separate set to make clear, essentially taking the city policies and making clear that these procedures apply to the plant assets in certain ways because in practice, well, my understanding with dealing with Benji and talking with her is that, yes, we understand that the city policies say city funds and don't apply to us. However, in practice, we have been applying those procedures um, regardless of whether or not they're, they're binding on, on ORS and the plant assets. So we just wanted for clarity of record to go ahead and adopt the city's um, policies. However, we will be uh, submitting our own recommendations to tweak them to make clear that they apply to plan assets for the purposes of ORS's uh, operations. Um, and so that, that's the sum total of our recommendations here uh, as stated in the matrix. For those few caveats that I mentioned, the CEO, CIO positions for Measure G, making clear that the financial provisions apply to uh, the plan assets, those will come back at a later date once we've drafted those up and we've gotten approval that this is the direction the boards want to go. So I think in an effort to make it easy, um, it's pretty well um, spelled out in the matrix. So I think just a, um, a an approval of the matrix kind of as our game plan on how we do it would be the motion that I think makes it simple. Motion to approve. So I have a motion from Sunita. Second. Second from Dick. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. Thank you for the work. It was a lot of reading over the break. Mm -hmm. but <laughs> I learned a lot about municipal um, yeah. governance. Let's just put but it that so way. did we after you helped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that was it for um, governance.
if I'm not mistaken, moving on to disability. Yep. Uh, my update is that we got the minutes. We defer the case back to the board, <coughs> back to the committee, and uh, we'll meet on February the 5th at uh, 10 o'clock at the uh, retirement building. And again, uh, thanks for supporting uh, Trustee Wilson. He's been a very excellent asset to our uh, committee. Thank you. Okay. So there is there is one action item um, under the disability committee, which is 7.4 C. And that was re relating to Trustee um, Santos's comment that we were recommending uh, defer referring back to the disability committee That's the right. disability so. application of member Volt Victor Polverino. Yeah, we just need more additional <coughs> information. Well, right. and I think that's what, so we just need to make an action, make an action to put it back to the Correct. disability committee for review. Yes. Okay, so um, I will actually motion for that item C to go back to the disability committee for further review. Second. I have a second from Dick. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. Okay. Sorry, I missed that one. Um, JPC. So JPC, we met uh, yesterday actually, so we had two items. Um, I'll have Andrew maybe talk first about the recruitment process for the nursing room. <coughs> yeah, uh, Alliance um, came to our meeting yesterday um, to officially kick off uh, the CEO ex um, executive search. Um, it, it went well. Um, they provided a timeline of um, the expectations for the next three months. Um, and and we're moving forward. Um, we anticipate that the open application process would probably start uh, in the middle of February, um, and we'll have it open for about 30 days, and then we'll continue the process after it closes. And the second was, uh, <coughs> there's no questions on that, um, the changes to the JPC charter. So last year, this board referred back to the JPC the task of addressing what to do when there's disagreements between the two boards regarding the CEO and CIO in HR-related issues. The JPC considered that topic over the course of three meetings and have approved the changes to the charter uh, to address the issue as stated, as shown in the red lines document that's um, provided to you. And just for the record, there was an issue when we uploaded the uh, red line copy to our agenda posting services. And so what we have done, we've pr printed out the correct copy out for both the, the board members as well as the public. And so if you could please look at the hard copy, that would be uh, great. And so just to satisfy the Brown Act requirement. And so what I will do is just quickly go through the changes just so that the board is aware of the recommended changes subject for approval. <coughs> to the JPC charter. So first on page one, as you'll see, it's, it shows on the very bottom, there's a red line added to exclude the city council liaison from the board's voting on these matters for, because measure G has a strict prohibition in the city charter from the city council influencing the board's decision on these matters. So we made that clear on page one. And if you go to page three, it regards the hiring of the CEO and the CIO positions. And so this is the process, everything, and I just wanna put a caveated note here, everything that's stated in the JPC where it relates to both boards will also be put into the board charter because the JPC charter governs how the JPC operates and the board charter governs how the boards operate. And so we will need to incorporate a lot of these changes into the board charter. So it may be a repetitive at a later date, just wanna flag that for you all. And so this is a process where 
um, that was added to the JPC charter is when hiring a CEO. So the, the JPC will interview in closed session the candidates for the CEO and CIO positions and then refer it to the finalists to the full boards. The full board shall meet in a joint meeting of the two boards and hold a closed session to, to discuss and deliberate and interview these candidates jointly in closed session and everything that I'm saying right now in terms of the hiring of the CEO and CIO position must be concluded in one day. We will not be extending it to multiple days. It would just be a one day exercise for the purposes of giving finality to the candidates. And so I just wanna put that out up front. So in terms of steps, first the, the committees will meet in jointly in closed session to interview and deliberate. Then following that joint deliberation, the two boards will separate, go into separate rooms in closed session to separately deliberate and vote. And once they've taken that vote, they would reconvene and open in close, jointly in closed session to report that vote to the other board. And if there's a disagreement between the two boards, then there will be a roll call vote of both boards. And the candidate receiving two thirds of the board's vote of those present shall be the finalist candidate. And if there's no agreement based on that two thirds roll call vote, the process begins again. And so you would go back to your separate rooms and re-deliberate, re-vote, and come back together and continue that process until both boards reach consensus. Um, no once food, no bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> um, once, once, that pro once a candidate has been selected, both boards shall designate and instruct a labor negotiator to negotiate a contract confidentially with the, with the candidate. <laughs> and once the final contract has been approved by both the candidates and the labor, negotiator will come to the full board in public session for uh, ratification and hiring of that individual. There are no changes to the performance evaluation section. Both sides have agreed to let their, their uh, performance evaluation stand. There will be no reconciliation between the, the two boards. Compensation, the only thing that was added here is when the um, individual for compensation does not have the same performance ranking within one of each other between the two boards, what to do in that instance. In that instance, it would be referred back to the JPC to take further action, and then the JPC will then refer it to the board for what they believe is appropriate. The boards can either approve it or not, and if they don't, and they're still in disagreement, it repeats the process, it goes back to the JPC again to try to resolve that. Um, the next section here is on discipline. We separated out discipline and termination from it as it was previously stated in the JPC charter as a separate issue. So the JPC will recommend to the boards whether or not to take disciplinary action against the CEO or the CIO, and then each of the boards will separately consider the matter in closed session following the JPC's recommendation. Um, in circumstances where the boards do not agree on the discipline, they shall um, each vote again at their next regular meeting in closed session, and if at the next, so basically do another round of reconsideration and if it if it if it both boards agree, then the discipline's confirmed. If, if in the second round, if they don't agree, then the action fails. Any questions on that? Are you done? Well, there's more for termination, but <laughs> but, but, but let me just say briefly because termination I think is pretty easy to, to discuss because it, it essentially follows the same process for hiring. <coughs> and then one last one, and then Sunita, the floor is yours. Sorry. That's okay. And the last one is just a catch-all on page seven, which is other personnel-related disagreements. 
So in that instance, the matter would be referred to the JPC to consider and provide a re recommendation to the board. And if the board doesn't agree, it goes back to the JPC and it gets reconsidered. So now that's the sum total of the recommended changes from the JPC committee. I have to say my favorite part is where we get locked into a room with no bathroom breaks or food. Been in those meetings. Motion to approve. Uh, uh, well, there's I'm a question sorry, from, yeah. Honestly, how is this an improvement to what we have now? Well, for right now, there's no joint meeting between the two boards. So essentially, there's no communication between the two boards on a lot of these issues, um, particularly with hiring and termination. There's no way we jointly meet. And so there's also that uh, other tiebreaker issue is two-thirds vote of majority vote between the two boards when you do jointly meet once it so fails it's two-thirds of the joint board, not two-thirds of each board. Okay. Correct, right. right. And I think the big the big deal is that as opposed to right now the process being you have one chair and you have the other chair having a discussion, but they don't get to hear Andrew, they don't get to hear Sunita, nobody on either board gets mm -hmm. to hear anyone else's position or how, how they best. And this kind of opens it up a little bit for people to have some level of conversation where maybe it makes a decision a little easier. Yeah, and, and the idea between the, the, the benefit of the joint uh, session is that our plan is unique in that the CEO and CIO report to two boards, not just one. That's very unique in the state of California and actually throughout the state of the United States. Um, so that is one thing that's unique that I think would be beneficial to have the two boards sit because we do want a CEO that has support by both boards not just one. So if I, if I understand it correctly, the JPC will continue to function as is, yes. but the recommendations from the JPC for hiring or firing or disciplinary action will come to a joint board for a two-third board. Is that, is that sort of the sum and substance? I'm yes. sorry. Mm -hmm. I yes. probably should have read this, but it was mm -hmm. so complicated yes. that. It, it is yes. Ultimately, a board decision or just a joint decision and, and for performance evaluation, we'll continue to operate as is and try and correct yes. have the chairs sort it out. Is, is sort of uh, that's the first uh, approach, yes. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the joint board. To the yeah. joint uh, personnel committee and then to the boards. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the okay. event that it's that simple, it, it's a done deal. It's only when there's the, this is mostly for the disagreement or mm -hmm. them not being on the same page. Yeah, just wanted to get the, the yeah, so, so hiring, discipline, and termination will have joint sessions between the two boards because it relates to a single um, position that's under the jurisdiction of both. In terms of compensation and performance evaluation, performance evaluation, each board will have their own authority for compensation. They will also have their own authority but have the possibility to refer it back to the JPC, to refer it back to the board. So that's the one distinction between the, the other categories. Thank you for... And, and this is just actually a side note. This is just in writing. The reality is that if any of these decisions were needed, that's exactly what would take place. In other words, we would have to have a joint meeting in any case. It wasn't in there before, but in the past, that's how the boards have actually worked. So now, even if that wasn't in writing, now for the CEO search, you at some point will have to have a joint meeting of the boards to decide on the last two that you interview who's going to be selected. This just puts everything not only writing, but it's pretty clear. So yeah. thank you. This gave us a process yes. that's yeah, sure. reviewable. Yes. So th this will be implemented uh, with our search, for example. 
Correct. And if you approve it today, then it's already implemented here. So, Maytag, you mentioned that we're unique in the United States and in California. Do you know of other plans that are similarly unique? And do they have the same methodology? Do you know? You know, I am not aware of a, another pension plan that where the safety members, the safety plan, also share the same office as the civilian plan. Uh, most everywhere else in the nation and throughout the state of California, the safety plan usually has their own staff, um, separate and apart from the, the civilian side. So this is unique in San Jose. Okay. Correct. So I, I believe the city of Fresno sort of functions similar to us, but I, I'm not sure how, the, those, how those two boards work compared to... I, I, I'm going to make sure they have two boards or one board. I have right, to I'm think not sure either. That. Yeah, yeah I, I know, like, for example, um, the only other board that does have safety and civilians together <coughs> is, is San Diego. They have one board where they have um, both, and it's all administered within the same plan. However, it's the same plan. It's not necessarily two separate boards, two separate plans. Yeah, I think Dave, Dave and I have been to conferences around the nation, and you will see a safety plan, police and fire, and you will see like a regular city plan, but to their point, they operate two different entities. They're not under one point of the umbrella. So I think that's where we're very unique. And I honestly, I, I, Dave, you can remember one. I am not aware of another one that operates under the same tip of the umbrella. No, I've never seen one where you had two plans and one, uh, system managing both plans. I have seen a city, I think it was New Jersey, uh, was the last one I saw, where the whole city, safety and citizens were under one plan, to, I think what Maytag was saying, but nothing yeah. anywhere remotely like what we have. No, this is, uh, is unique. It is, two different masters. Yeah. Call it a unicorn. <coughs> That's great, well thank you. Um, I, I, I do think I have a motion, I have not heard a second yet. I had a second from, Dick, I think Dave. Dave, David, I'm trying to get this, make it simple. Um, so I have a motion, second, any further discussion? Okay, hearing none, all those in favor? Uh, Aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay. I think that's it for JPC. Yeah. Um, I think it's just proposed, any proposed agenda items? And if I'm not hearing any, I think we're adjourned. Yeah, I just I'd like, like to, to uh, point out. I, I missed the uh, commendation for uh, Harvey last time. Is it okay to say a couple of words as yeah. public member or whatever? Sure. Sure. Before you adjourn? Yes, please. Okay, sorry. I, it's something I mean, I, I feel strongly about. So, <coughs> um, you know, since I joined the board, I think uh, it's been, Harvey's been a tremendous force uh, personally um, in terms of being coming up to speed on the plan and always being available with his sage-like and you know very uh, sort of cl the clarity with which he has given me advice has been tremendous and uh, uh, you know I hope he continues to be around to, be, uh, to help uh, I, I know he's going to be a consultant consulting but just uh, as a uh, as a former member of, uh, of the of the broader team, I hope he's uh, around for us to be able to use as a sounding board. But uh, I just want to say we'll, he'll be very, very much missed. Uh, very few uh, unique people uh, you come across in, in your professional life, and I feel strongly about Harvey. So. Thank you for being so I, I, I agree. 
but I think uh, we rest in good hands. Yes, of course. Yes, it's been a pleasure. I, I should not be missing that to have made fill big shoes to fill, and you're filling them. So I mean, literally. Well, thank big you, shoes. everyone. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that the the next meeting day, March 11th, is not the 11th; is the 7th. Just so that you know. I just want you to know. So, so don't come up here on the 11th because the meeting is actually on Thursday, March 7th. Okay, I believe we're adjourned. Recording.